welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. But I'll tell you what, my, my wife was saying it best earlier on the stage when she was talking about what we do is not meant to, be, remain, or to remain within these walls. Our assignment is to leave from this place and to reach our world with life. Your assignment is to reach your world with life. Say my world. The Lord wants you to reach your world with life. And it might, and it might sound like a statement that might rub you the wrong way, but I'll tell you this. The reality is, is it's not my responsibility to win your community for Christ. Now, every week when we come together, we take a moment that if you are just in a place that you're far from the Lord, today's a day that we want to get it right. Because I declare salvation, deliverance, freedom. The Lord wants to touch your life in a way that the way that you came, you're not leaving the same. And so every week we'll make uh, time and we'll take time. But the reality is this, when you leave from here, you're going to encounter people that I will never talk to. You're going to come across people that I will never meet. People on the job, people in your community, people in your neighborhood, people even in your own families. There are people that you are going to cross paths with that the pastor is never going to be able to talk to. And so it's imperative that you are equipped, that you are empowered through the teaching and the preaching of the word. So that you can leave from here and know with holy boldness that I can win my community for Christ Jesus. That's what this is all about. I'm glad I got four amens off of that. We're living in a day and a time right now that we can't afford to look over our shoulder and look to the past. We're living in a time and a season that we have to look to the future and we have to begin to ask ourselves, Lord, who are you sending me to? Lord, who are you calling me to reach? Lord, who do I need to pray for? Lord, who do I need to sow into? Lord, who who is it that you need me to witness to, to love, because the reality is this, the only version of Jesus that someone might ever witness or encounter is the Jesus in you. There might be people that will never step foot into these walls, but they'll step foot into your conversation, and the truth is, is that the only version of Jesus that they might ever see is the Jesus that's in you. And so I want to charge you to Leave from here today knowing that you're appointed and called to move forward and reach your world with life. Amen? Probably the best way that I could phrase it is, you got to press on. you got to press on. In fact, I'm going to speak from that title line this morning, if that's okay. Press on. Press on. I want to read a scripture for you. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me this morning. Book of Philippians chapter 3. In the book of Philippians chapter 3, Paul's writing here. And he's writing to the church at Philippi, and he's encouraging them with this encouragement that is one of not settling. You know, I think sometimes we hit certain moments in life, we touch certain, cer- certain levels of success or accomplishment or achievement, and when we get there... It's almost like we lose steam in the engine to strive for more. And Paul is 
writing to the church and he's saying, you need to understand something in verse 12. Chapter 3, starting in verse 12 is where I want to read. Not that I've already attained it or already perfected, but I press on, is what he says. I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended it. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Some of you can need to forget the things which are behind. No one ever drives a vehicle looking constantly in the rearview mirror. Because if you're constantly looking in the rearview mirror, you're most likely going to end up rear-ending the person in front of you. So you can't look over your shoulder to what was. you got to stay focused on what is and on what will be. And he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm pressing on toward the goal. Now, at a younger place of my life, I would have just read this as a preach scripture for me achieving my purpose and my, my, my personal goals in life. But what, what Paul is illustrating here is this, is that what he's pressing towards to is a greater glory. He's saying, not that I already have it all figured out, not that it's all together. In fact, he's saying, what I've already accomplished is good, but it's not enough. Because there's a greater glory that is ahead. And with everything that I have, I am going to strain, I'm going to fight, I'm going to press on. Because my best days are the ones that are ahead of me in Christ Jesus. Continue on, the, the Bible says this. Verse 16, we can put this one up on the screen, same passage. He says, nevertheless... To the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. I want to read that again. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, in other words, to the level of glory that we have already witnessed, let us continue of the same rule. In other words, the glory should not diminish. Our pursuit for the presence of Jesus should not diminish. When we come together in worship as, as the church, as the assembly, it should be greater every time we come together. It should not be any less. And Paul is saying, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. But one thing that I know is this. At the level we've already achieved, I am not going to allow it to diminish. I'm only going to press on because there must be greater. There has to be greater. And I speak that over your life today, that there is a greater glory for your life for your future, for our community, for your marriage, for our families. That's why we can't allow ourselves to live with a mindset that's anything less than God's best. And God's best is that you live a life that is whole, that is delivered, that is healed, that is empowered, that is one of success and victory. So we have to press on. We cannot afford to look back at what was. We have to press on. Tell somebody next to you, press on. Now to give some context to this scripture this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And this is where we're going to spend majority of our time today. 
1 Samuel chapter 16. Over the last several weeks, I had been in my prayer time, and the Lord dropped this passage on my heart. And um, as we got into this week, he, he drew my eyes back to this passage and, and just dropped a thought in my spirit this morning, because I want to I I encourage you today. We're going to preach a little bit today. Is that okay? I believe that there is so much greater that's ahead of us. I believe that our best days are the ones that are ahead of us. And you got to believe that. It's so easy to get stuck where you are based upon whatever life tries to hand you. It's so easy to allow the devil to trick you into thinking that your best days were the ones that were behind you. It's so easy to allow the, the, the testings and the trials of life to hold you hostage. And in fact, the devil will make it just good enough that you get comfortable where you are. There's this, this, this idea that, that came out of uh, a situation that took place in the 1960s in, in, in Stockholm. And, in, and there was this bank robbery that took place. And these bank robbers, they came in and... And um, they, they were preparing to rob the bank. And the workers that were in the bank, they held them hostage. And the thing was is this, is that they didn't hold a gun to their head. But they led the police that there was guns to their head. But what they did was they made sure that they were fed and that they were cared for and that, and that everything was good. In fact, what they were doing is they were almost brainwashing all of the hostages to the point that the hostages believed that the bank robbers were for them. They call that the Stockholm Syndrome. And it's when your enemy has tricked you that everything is okay and you can just remain right where you are. It's a brainwashing. It's a mindset. And sometimes it's not that your life is all falling apart, but you're never pressing on to what's ahead because the enemy has gotten you to believe that where you are is good enough. And what we find out in 1 Samuel chapter 16 is Samuel, the prophet Samuel, he's the priest Samuel is the judge over Israel, and he's in a place of his life that he's anointed the first king over Israel by the name of Saul, and Saul was the first king over all of Israel, and that was never the intent of the, of the Lord because the Lord always intended for him to be king over Israel, but the people said, we want to be like the other nations, so give us a king, and so Samuel went out. And recruited Saul. In chapter 8 of this book, in verse 22, it says that Samuel went and made Israel a king. As the scripture goes on, in fact, in chapter 10, verse 25, it says that Samuel even wrote the royal book for the kingdom. Because nobody knew in Israel, how, did this, how does this whole thing work with kings and royalty? And Samuel wrote the book. He wrote the business plan. He wrote the business model. He recruited the manager. He trained them up. He got everything in position only to find out that the very one that he prepared, the very one that he trained, the very one that he put in position under the business model and the plan ended up rebelling against the Lord and was disobedient. And Samuel is in a place of his life right now 
that he is upset because the very king that he brought before the people of Israel is now living in disobedience before the Lord and he's in a place of heartache. And the Bible says in chapter 16, in verse 1, this is what I want to read to you this morning. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how I have read... How long will you mourn for Saul? Excuse me. How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? He says to Samuel, How long will you mourn over Saul? Because of Saul's disobedience, I've rejected him. He's no longer going to be the one that will continue for the future to rule over my people. How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel. He says, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. He says to him, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? Church, I wanted to ask you this question. How long are you going to mourn over what was? How long are you going to mourn over the business plan that fell through? How long are you going to mourn over the husband that walked out on you? How long are you going to mourn over the things of the past? How long are you going to mourn over what didn't work out? And so often in life we find ourselves in a place that because it didn't work out according to the way that we thought, that we can't move on ahead. And so we live our life in a place of mourning, in a place of grief and a place of heartache. And let me tell you what, there are times in your life that it is okay to mourn. But the book of Ecclesiastes says in chapter 3, even though there's mourning, dancing is about to come. Which means there's a place and a time to mourn, to grieve what you've lost. And that's okay. But you can't afford to allow yourself to stay in that place. you got to get yourself up because better days are ahead. And this year, if we said that 2023 is a year of greater and greater glory, maybe it didn't work out according to plan the first six months, but I'm here to remind you, we've got precious months left, that the Lord can anoint a new season, that your best days are the ones that are ahead of you. So don't allow yourself to settle. Don't allow yourself to quit. Don't allow yourself to stay in a place of anguish. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. Oh, but I do understand. I know what it is to have a dream and, 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 and I know what it is to have a, have a plan and for it to not go according to the plan. I know what it is for my wife and I to have the desire to want to have a family and only in a, our, 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 our first attempts that we have a miscarriage and we, and we lose our child and it's easy to stay at home in mourning. Blaming and being upset and in anguish and in grief and saying, well, why isn't this working? But there comes a moment you got to get yourself up and say, though I might have lost, I know that, Lord, you are providing. There is provision that is ahead. I'm not telling you anything that I haven't walked through or that we haven't encountered. But I'm here to get you to a place that you know that what is to come in this season will be one of the most fruitful seasons of your life. I'm reminded about the word for this year, and the last quarter will be a quarter of manifestation. 
And though we're in a third quarter right now talking about identity, I'm going to ask you this. What do you identify with, your past or the future of who God's called you to be? I'm identifying with the future that the Lord has called me to be. Therefore, I'm going to prepare myself and be in expectation that in the next season, the greatest season of manifestation will take place. says, how long, Samuel, are you going to mourn? How long are you going to be the victim? How long are you going to play the victim? But see, I get it because Samuel, he built the business model. He recruited Saul. He put it all together. Some of us, we've been so invested into what did not work out that we say, why is it even worth it? Why is it even worth it? Why should I even do it again? Why should I even pick myself up? Why should I even dare try to press on? And it's just for the simple reason that God's a good God, that God loves you, and God's got better for your life. I don't have to sit here and try and expand on deep amount of scripture as to why. I don't know why we go through seasons of loss, but I know this, that my God is a good God and he loves me and he wants me blessed. And every time that we have put our trust in the Lord and not leaned on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledged him, he makes our path straight. It says he'll make your path straight. How long? I want to encourage you this morning. Shift your mourning to dancing. See, but I don't see it yet. Oh, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> he says, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing that I have I've rejected him. And, and, and what the Lord is telling Samuel is that I've, I've rejected Saul as king. I've cut him. I've cut it out. Maybe someone did you wrong. Maybe someone treated you poorly. Maybe someone said something about you. Don't worry about it. Don't set your eyes on them. The Lord's rejected it. My Bible says that he surrounds us like a shield, that he goes before us and he is our rear guard. Do not be concerned with those around you. Just be consumed with the word of the Lord that is for you. He says, I've rejected him. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 15, he says that we are the vine branches. He's the true vine our Heavenly Father is the vine dresser. He says this, that the, that the branches that bear fruit, they will be pruned. But the branches that do not bear fruit, He will remove those branches. He will cut those branches. See, sometimes it's hard for us to move on because we still see the enemy of our past trying to creep in. But here's the deal. When you cut a branch off the tree, the leaves might still be green, but it is dead. It just don't know it yet. So stop being worried and troubled by the haters and the naysayers. They've been rejected off of your life. Just be focused on remaining in him and him in you so that you can continue to bear much fruit. He says, I've rejected Saul and I've provided myself a king. I love that the Lord put that line in there. He said, earlier on, you wanted to provide yourself a king. A king that was actually after your heart, but now I'm going to provide myself a king after my heart. So he rejects 
Saul. And he says, but, but, but Samuel, I want you to know something. I've, a, I've got a David in your future. I've got a king that I've provided. And here's what he says. I want to take a moment and just, and just lean into this. He says, fill your horn with oil and go. Fill your horn with oil and go. And now it's interesting because in those days, they would have horns, and the horns were used as drinking vessels. The horns were, were used, and this would be like an animal's horn that they would put a piece of leather around it to hold around their neck, and, and it could be a drinking vessel. It could be something that could contain different types of, of, of uh, uh, you know, flour and foods for travel. But it was also used to carry oil, and the priests, they would put the oil in it for the time that they would anoint and so what happens is, is the Lord tells Samuel, go and fill your horn, which means his horn was empty. Some of you just need to get your horn back filled up. Some of you have been trying to do this year on E. And the Lord is saying, when you allow me to get back inside of you, you're going to go from E now to victory. Because when you're filled up with the things of God, you've got what you need to be able to press on and move forward to what's ahead. And so he says, fill your horn. Now the interesting thing is, is, is horn, the horn, it's a vessel. And vessels, as, as, as we're talking about here, if it's filled with oil or if it's filled with a drink, it means that it's used to also be poured out, not just be filled up with. A horn would also be something that you would, when, when you're pouring out, what is it doing? It's delivering what's in it to where it needs to go. So the word horn actually means deliverer. In the book of Luke, Jesus is noted as the horn of salvation. He is the deliverer of salvation. And I want to encourage you this morning that the horn for your life, it represents the fact that you have got a deliverer that is on your side. The horn represents strength. The horn represents that you don't have to stay where you are, but you can pick yourself back up. And so he's got this horn, and he says, but fill it with oil. He says, fill it with oil, oil that comes out of, a, out of an olive. Anyone ever seen how oil is made? It starts with the pressing of an olive. And as an olive is pressed, that oil begins to flow. The Bible says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says in verse 7, he says, but we have this treasure in earth and vessels, and that the excellence of this power may be of God and not that of ourselves. He says, but though I'm hard pressed on every side, I'm not crushed. Have you ever been pressed before? Have you ever felt the pressing before? Have you ever been in a place that you've been pressed so hard, you've been pushed so hard, you've been tested to the limit, that you thought you were going to break down, but it was really at that moment you gave out your best? I'm talking about that kind of pressing. Paul's telling the Corinthian church, he's saying, the kind of pressing that you think that you've got no more air in the tank, but yet you've got just enough to get you across the line and win. Any runners in the room? Anybody ever ran so hard that you thought you were out of breath, 
but you knew there was just enough that was left inside of you in that pressing that you were able to give your best for one more stride and it got you across the finish line. He says, I know your heart pressed on every side, but you're not crushed. He says, I know you might be perplexed, but you're not in despair. In other words, you might be confused about what's going on, but don't worry, it's going to be all right. He says, I know that you've been persecuted, but you're not forsaken. He's saying, I'm talking about the kind of persecution where you feel like everyone is after you. I want to tell you this, you might feel like you got nobody on your side. But I'm going to tell you, if you got Jesus, then you got everybody on your side. And so you might feel like everyone's persecuting you, but you're not forsaken. You might have been struck down, but you are not destroyed. I don't know why, I keep getting this picture of the first Karate Kid movie. Y'all remember when Danny LaRusso, he's running away from Cobra Kai and they're dressed in the skeleton outfits. And they're pressing him up against the fence and they're, and they're beating him up, right. And they're striking him down. He didn't sweep the leg yet, that wasn't until the end of the movie. But here he is and he's getting just completely beat up. And then out of nowhere, Mr. Miyagi just dives into the scene and just starts whooping some Cobra Kai behind. Y'all are like, I don't know that. I'm going to go and watch it after service on Netflix. No, don't do that. Maybe tonight. And I love it. Mr. Miyagi, like he jumps into the scene and he just starts taking him down. You know why? Because the reality is this. This kid thought he was all alone, but he was not forsaken. I'm here to tell you, you might feel like you're thrown up against the fence. You might feel like the world is pressing on you. You might feel like you're getting struck down. You might feel like you're persecuted, destroyed. But I'm here to tell you, you've got a God who is for you. A God who is with you. A God that in the press, the oil will begin to flow. I want to tell you this, when the pressure is on, it's not a time for you to rise to the occasion. When the pressure is on, you're going to sink to your level of training. So whatever level you are at with the Lord, you better get in deeper. Because when the pressure is on, that's where you're going to go to. That's what you're going to reduce yourself down to. And I'm here to tell you, the more that you're in God and the more that God is in you, the oil of life, man, that thing begins to flow. That anointing begins to kick in. I can see the devil trying to come at me and I just laugh him off. Ha, you got nothing on me today, Satan. I might be in the press, but I got victory in Christ Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror. Samuel, go fill your horn with oil. Go get some of that oil out of the pressed of the olive, out of the, out, out of the squeeze. Think about this. We were formed out of the dust of the ground. When the Lord formed, there was a pressing. Anybody ever like make clay something? I don't. Clearly I can't get this example out. I'll make clay nothing. All I keep thinking about is my daughter doing this new thing where I got to paint my hands and I got to do handprints. Daddy, do you want to do it? No, that's a mess I got to clean up. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but she's, there's this pressing. I got to get it. I got to get this. Something about it in the pressing, in the forming, that oil begins to be released. And Samuel, he fills his horn with oil because the Lord says, I've got a, I got a David in your future. But now here's the deal. This is beautiful. He says this, fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. This is David's father. He doesn't say, David, I'm 
or uh, he doesn't say Samuel, I'm sending you to David's house. He says, I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Jesse is his father. The name Jesse, by the way, means to possess. And Bethlehemite comes from the city of Bethel, which means house of bread. He says, I'm sending you to the possessor of the house of bread. The very provision that you need is in the house of Jesse. But you got to get to Jesse if you want to get the provision. You say, Pastor, what are you telling me this morning? Some of y'all have been looking for the answer from the Lord. You've been asking God, where is it? Some of you, it's not so much of you getting the answer, but so much as knowing what door it's behind. Lord, I'm waiting on it. Where is it? I don't see it. How's it going to work? And the Lord's saying, you just got to know what door to walk through. There's a Jesse in your future. And on the other side of that door is your David. Stop crying out for David. Say, Lord, if you're the one that orders my steps, show me the door I need to walk through. What door do you have for me to be able to step into the destiny of my David? He says, go to Jesse, the Bethlehemite's house. And so as Samuel begins to leave and as he begins to, to go, he's reminded because the Lord said, I have provided myself a king. I just want to encourage you this morning. The Lord has provided every need that you have need of. Every need that you have need of. But as Samuel arrives to the house, the Lord gives him one last instruction. He says, now, it's important you understand this. Do not look at the outward appearance. Man judges by the outward appearance. But I want you to see this here. He says this in verse 7. The Lord speaks to Samuel and says, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him. For man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. I love this. The Lord does not see as man sees. To me, the principle of this line of text is that the Lord does not see as man sees. Oh, eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. It's prepared, and it doesn't mean we can't see it. It just means we haven't seen it yet. And for some of us, maybe we got to take off the glasses that we've been looking through that maybe has fogged up, maybe has gotten some scratches over time, take them off and put on the lens of the Lord to see the way that God sees. Because what he has prepared for you is incredible. The, 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 the future that he has set before you in order for you to press on, sometimes you just got to, what is it Bible say in Romans chapter 12? Renew the way that you think. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed, but renew your mind. In other words, stop thinking, stop seeing the past, start seeing the future, think the way that the Lord thinks. And when I begin to think the way that the Lord thinks and not the way that the world thinks, then I can begin to see how the Lord has aligned my path for purpose and destiny. I can see the greatness that's ahead of me. I can see the victory that he's leading me to. I can see. Some of us, it's just... The ability to see. You just got to see it a little different. See it a little bit different. 
just see a little bit different. That's why we walk by faith and not by, oh, look at y'all, you're helping me out this morning. We walk by faith and not by sight because the reality is if we're looking with these eyes, we're going to run into a dead end. Ephesians says in chapter 1, verse 18, let the eyes of my heart be filled with light. In other words, let my spirit so be filled with the things of God that I can see out of my spirit and not out of my natural eyes. Because if I'm looking at my natural eyes, then I'm going to base my decisions based upon what the economy says and based upon what, what, what the legislation is being passed in the government. I'm going to be making all my assumptions and my decisions based upon what the world is trying to make my reality. And I'm here to tell you, I don't live by a worldly reality. I live by a kingdom culture culture. I want to see the way that God wants me to see. And tell Samuel, don't look based upon what you know. See, it's funny because as Samuel comes into the house of Jesse, he looks at David's oldest brother Eliab. And Eliab was tall just like Saul. Eliab was handsome just like Saul. And the Lord says, I'm not going to put something that looked like your past in front of you for your future. Some of y'all are wanting what your past looked like to be your future. And the Lord's never going to take you backwards. He's only going to take you. Say he ain't going to take you backwards. He's going to take you. He's not going to take you backwards. He's going to. I'm moving forward. I'm pressing on. I'm putting my foot on the gas pedal, on the spiritual gas pedal. I ain't got time for what was backwards. I don't got time for what was back behind me. I don't have time for, for the things that was. I'm looking forward. Some of you, you just got to move forward. He comes into the house and he looks at seven of the sons. Ooh, I could preach a message right there. Don't stop on seven. My God. Seven sons were brought before him, and none of the seven sons of the first seven sons were the ones that God had. Some of y'all give up on the first try. Well, the Lord ain't in it. Second time, I don't know. Third time, seven sons passed by. Don't stop on seven because it's the eighth that might be the very breakthrough moment for your life. Well, you don't understand how hard it is. Well, since when has life ever been easy? Life ain't meant to be easy. Life is designed and desired to be fruitful. Don't stop on seven. I've just encouraged somebody that has given up on your business. Don't stop. Try it again. I hadn't found the right business partner. Don't stop. Find another. Don't do that, though, with your relationships. My wife is just no. You stop on one. <laughs> Park it there. Don't give up after one try. <laughs> he just gave me a free permission slip. No, I did not. Did not. Don't stop. Press on. I'm just, I'm just, I want to, I want to get you so driven in your spirits today, in your heart today. That God's got an incredible future for your life that's ahead of you. And it's, man, I'll tell you, the devil, man, he, he is a bum. I mean, that's me being polite about it. 
like the devil's just, he's an idiot. He's a jerk. If my daughter was in here, daddy, don't say that. Don't say that. Well, you're not in here, say it. So I'm going to say what I want to say about the devil. I love you, baby, with all my heart. The devil, he's a jerk. He's a bum. And I ain't going to let no devil in hell stop me from the future that the Lord wants me to possess. The Lord has got a door that's leading me to my David. And in my David, I'm going to see the greatest victory. See, that's the thing, is that when you look on the outward appearance of what was, then you're liable to go back to the Saul's of your past. And if I remember correctly, the heart that Saul had was one that ran from the giant. But the heart that David had was one that slayed a giant. And I'm not in this thing to run from giants. I'm in this thing to slay some giants. So I don't like the devil. (laughs) But I love Jesus. I love him. I've so gone outside of this one single page of notes. We're going to have to get the team up here to close this thing out. I'm going to share, I want to share with you one last thought this morning. I just want to give you this one last thought this morning. You know, there's this thing, I don't have my phone up here with me and I don't need it because all of you have yours and so that's the greatest example of the one that you have in your hand. You know on your phone about every couple of months, maybe once a year, you, um, you get this little notification that says new operating system update. That little iOS update pops, comes up on your phone and you know what do we all do when we see that come up on our phone? It says update now or not now. What do, what do we do? Not now. Not now. And we hit not now because it's always inconvenient. We hit not now because we don't know how long the update's going to take place. We hit not now because we're afraid that if it introduces a new technology that we've never learned before, how are we going to keep up with the new update? And so oftentimes we hit not now out of fear. We hit not now out of insecurity. We hit not now because we're just worried that this is just going to take up more time than it actually needs to. But what happens is as we continue to hit not now and everyone else that does hit now on their phone, their phones begin to update, their phones begin to progress, their phones begin to move into the future, but ours, we get stuck in the past. And then we make statements like, well, I just need to get a new phone. No, you just need to hit now on your update. Life is filled with updates. And it's because the Lord wants you to stay current with His kingdom operating system. But every time that we hit not now, we reject the future that the Lord's trying to lead us to. And what we have to do is we have to let go of the fears and the worries. We gotta let go of the Saul's of our life. And we need to trust and know that the Lord is leading us to a beautiful future that's ahead.
to a David-like future. David's just a type and shadow of Jesus. Represents victory. Prosperity. Worship. David was a worshiper. That's why I love when Ecclesiastes says that there's a season to mourn, but then a season to dance. Samuel is mourning over Saul, but David was known as a dancer. I think that's interesting. But as long as we keep holding on to the Sauls of the past, and maybe the Saul for your life is yourself. Maybe the very Saul that you're struggling with is the guilt, the shame, and the brokenness that you can't let go for yourself. And the longer you hold on to that, you hold yourself hostage from being able to step in to the future that the Lord has for your life. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 4, Jesus approaches Peter. And he says this, you are no longer going to fish fish, from now on you are going to be a fisher of men. And he says, I'll make you a fisher of men, all you have to do is follow me. Some of us were trying to figure out how to make ourselves into something great. Just let the Lord make you who he wants you to be. But the interesting thing in Matthew 4 is that it says that Peter let go of his net and he followed Jesus. Because the truth is, is that the net that Peter was getting ready to fish with for, to be a fisher of men was not going to be one that was found in his hand, but it was now going to be found in his mouth. He was still doing the same thing he was called to do in the sense of being a fisherman. He just wasn't fishing fish. He's now fishing men. But in order to fish men, he couldn't use what was. He had to be willing to let that go and pick up what was supposed to be, which was now going to be his testimony, his ability to preach, his ability to speak life into future. That was his net. But until he was willing to let go of the earthly net, he couldn't pick up the net of his future. I just want to encourage you this morning. You just got to let it go. Whatever it is that has troubled you, whatever it is that has caused you to be in a place that you're stuck, mourning, frustrated, angry, let it go. Fill your horn up. Say, Holy Spirit, just fill me up today. Because you've anointed me for a prosperous future for a victorious future, for a bright future. You just got to let it go. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.